1: we've no place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Well, Welcome it to the Multimedia start Cafe.
2: Start My name is Jason Speece Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up on today, it's one of our year-in-review specials here at the Multimedia Cafe. We're going to talk about the War on oil and gas in the state of Colorado. That's really taken the news over the past year. Kind of a big story in the terms of economy, in the terms of energy, mining, as well as just the overall quality of life. Ray Scott, he's a Colorado State Senator. He'll be on today's program. Jack Hamlin with Summit Engineering, also Colorado Strong. And Jen Decker-Wright, Resolute Recruiting. As well as Heath Holloway, the CEO and managing partner of Titan Solutions. Jam packed show today. We got all kinds of diverse views when it comes to the war on oil and gas in Colorado. And of course, for many people out there, it's happening in California, it's happening in the state of New York, as well as Washington, Oregon. I want to say Wyoming's BLM has a restrictive ban as well on some fossil fuels. So it's happening more and more across the country, as people know. The uh, fossil fuel debate continues here in the state of Colorado, and we've got uh, four different perspectives on the Multimedia Cafe. Stop and stopping by to have a little chew the fat, if you will. All right, my name is Jason Spees. This is the Multimedia Cafe. Let's get to our first interview, Heath Holloway with Titan Solutions. It just seems like, as an industry, we need to figure out new ways to try to connect with the audience. Does that make sense a little bit?
3: Oh, I totally agree. Uh, I was talking to somebody today about that uh, connecting to the people in the industry on a town hall meeting, or you know, certain companies um have those town hall meetings and get with your um local government um and see where we can have those type of area uh you know uh, town hall meetings and and educate everybody this is what's going on and this is why uh this is what this does and and the more you know at least you know the information Uh, and then you can have your opinion you can't have your opinion and get the information so Um, you know, we try to talk to our employees, any chance we get, uh, what's going on. And and we have a lot of young people, uh, on our staff, um, anywhere from 18 to 26 for the majority of it. And, And, you know, educating them, uh, is the biggest thing we do of what's going on, what this is and training them on what this is you know because uh, some come in hesitant on oh gosh what, what's going to happen and uh as long as we get them the information i think that's the best thing to do but uh, I, I agree town halls we need to have more town halls yeah and and, and,
2: and, you and you what know? and what the town hall means is engagement with people outside the industry and right. by using people in the industry i couldn't agree more in fact um i spoke at a panel with um Dan Haley from from Colorado, and yep. uh, James Cook. I believe he's the Senate Minority Leader. And your district uh, out of Greeley, he's your um, yes, yes. yeah. He's a yep. former sheriff. Yep. And we also had on um, the gentleman from Wyoming, and then um, and I mispronounce his last name. I would say John um, Robatissen, but it's not that. And I and people listening are probably going to chastise me, but uh, <laughs> I, I I apologize because it was I kind of got thrown into it a little bit. And then um, there was a a panelist or a moderator as well. And that was one of the things that that I took away from that during the Q&A portion afterwards was there was a person probably 28 years old. She mentioned how she had a certain perception of the oil and gas industry through high school and college. And then she worked for the oil and gas industry and it completely changed her whole ideology, if you will about the entire industry. And that's how I felt too. A lot of people don't know this, but when I started this content company that I have on 30 radio stations and over 300 social media, 350,000 social media, um, we were going to investigate against oil and gas, actually. That was our predetermined business model was we were going to investigate against oil and gas because that was the low-hanging fruit. That was the easy... Oh, we could probably sell it for, you know, a thousand bucks here, two thousand bucks here. And what I saw in my first week was the oil and gas industry was not the bad guy. They were not the dishonest people. They were the only ones creating opportunity. They were the right. only ones. At, yeah, they were the only ones actually creating the the opportunity and the and, and the elements of capitalism. And, and it was the other people in between that were ruining it. And i saw that really quick and yeah. so we shifted very quickly to say you know what our core at our core our employees and us we like to um enable capitalism rather than enhance entitlement and so we uh, that's kind of like our little joke around here you know type of a thing because yeah. we're, we're not big fans of entitlement <laughs> right. um but hey some people are that's you know that's the way it goes uh, talk to me a little bit about your, you know, your younger people shift. Did you see a shift like I did in 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 mindset of people? Did they have that kind of anti fossil fuel climate change mentality, and then after working for you, they changed, or was is that the, not the case where you're at? Uh, I would say
3: a little bit because we uh, we have uh, University of Northern Colorado here, so we get a lot of college uh, kids here uh, for work. Um, Sure, you know, at all types, right? Um, and some doesn't don't believe in any of oil and gas, right? But then the thing of it is, they want the job. They know they can make good money. They know they can do this or that. So we educate them. Then you do get that kickback of, oh, I thought you guys just did this or did that, or it was more like this or that. No, it's like this. <laughs> we take care of our people. This is a family, oil family. If we go to North Dakota, we go to Wyoming, Texas, anywhere, we're all family at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to do better all the time, and we're trying to do good all the time. Um, so it, it was kind of fun to, to see some of them change. Um, now they still have their political view, or they see, uh, you know, in a different way, um, and that's okay. But now they're educated, you know, uh, and, and trained on how this works and what this is. And, and you know, we're only doing our aspect in a few other aspects of the oil field. And there's still a lot out there. You know, we're not going to coach, mentor, and train them on because we don't know it.
2: And that was Heath Holloway with Titan Solutions. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's the crude life We're going to take a quick break. We continue. We'll come back with more interviews on the war on oil and gas in the state of Colorado. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe Year in
3: Review.
2: Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com.
1: Day bells ring, are you listening? In the rain, snow is glistening.
2: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue our conversation about the war on oil and gas. We're highlighting the state of Colorado where they had a recent Uh, Banned by the governor and they're going through some changes there and 2019 was quite a year for the war on oil and gas jen decker wright she's our next guest with resolute recruiting decker wright comes from an oil and gas family generational oil and gas family all right this is jen decker wright with resolute recruiting you're in review here at the Multimedia Cafe, talking about the war on oil and gas in Colorado.
4: Well, I was thinking, are you trying to trick me into something here? But there isn't an easy answer. It, um, uh, Colorado overwhelmingly voted against Proposition 112 back in, what, when's our voting, November? <laughs> um, back in November, that was voted down, and that was the proposition to ban um, drilling within i believe 2500 feet of uh, whether it was a residence or a a water whatever it was it was a really convoluted um proposition that uh the, the state overwhelmingly voted down because it would have virtually prohibited uh any uh future drilling for oil and gas in colorado and um and now uh with Uh, the new governor in place he's doing some in my personal opinion really shady business trying to under the radar put legislation through um first off on the first snowpocalypse we had of the season I'll, I'll joke but it was like a really bad snow um and he was diligently working from his car um while running idle gas um and working to uh prohibit future drilling or make it more in the uh county's uh purview to decide if drilling would happen in their individual counties and that was all um from my understanding sponsored by uh mostly boulderites that um the least amount of drilling as far as i know happened in that uh Uh, kind of that side of the realm, (laughs) Uh, Weld County does, I think it's 80% of the oil production in the state and it borders Boulder County, which is, you know, again, personally, there's a lot of uninformed people that are afraid of what fracking or the oil and gas industry is because they don't have the proper information to make an educated argument one way or the other whatever it is um and so and one of the things that i'm excited about and that i follow regularly is energy strong um they've got a real following out here and their their job is in their oil and gas industry professionals and they're they're going to bat um going to the courthouses going to um government you know gatherings uh town halls but they're also disseminating the information that they glean. I believe in a, as much as it can be, um, non-partisan way. Uh, so it, it's not leaning right or left if you're gonna talk politics, but it's definitely pro-oil and gas and uh, because we care about our livelihoods in this industry. So um, I'm just excited because there's a lot of people that'll be at this conference that I'll be able to personally just have conversation with as a layperson. I've only been in oil and gas recruiting for just over a year, and so I've had my uh, plate full for learning, learning, learning all of the different uh, realms, and and there's no way in heck I'm ever going to, you know, feel like I've accomplished any of that knowledge, Um, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I'm just so excited to meet people and kind of suck in the the information and learn as
2: much as I can. I'm very glad you are rambling. In fact, I wanted to ask (laughs) you about your perception of oil and gas. Um, In fact... I've just done three solid hours of interviews, and one of the topics that kept coming up over and over and over again, and I don't know your age, but was uh, millennials, how there is this, you know, rash, there's this perception of millennials, and my, my thought is pretty simple that I feel bad for millennials because they grew up in a very extreme world. Everything was the best, everything was the worst, and... They, they didn't even have individualism. They sat at desks, I mean, sorry, tables, not desks, and everything was team-oriented, everything else. So they, they were in a very polarizing world, and then they didn't have a lot of individualism. Now they're on the real world, and they're trying to figure out their definition of them and they're, they're what they want to do in their life, and they're being told who they are every day. Every day by different Mm. groups and this and that. And again, I I feel bad. I'm a Gen. I'm a Gen. negative. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, But it was prompted early by this, hey, they're going to save the world. These young entrepreneurs. And then all of a sudden on a dime, it just turned. You know, it just like, it just completely turned. (laughs) And again, it's that polarization part. I, I come from the Gen X uh, d- demographic. Hey, man, we're lazy, whatever, man. You know, Colorado. <laughs> hey, man, Colorado, right up my alley. And so <laughs> the first gas and grass fest by Gen Xers, you know. Um, but uh, millennials, you know, like I said, they kind of got batted back and forth like pin- ping pongs. And now they're in the real world. Where I'm going with this is you've been in the energy industry now for a year. What I've seen over the last decade is when a millennial enters the oil and gas industry they almost become their biggest cheerleader whereas when they didn't when they were not in the in- industry they almost had a socialized engineer perception of the energy industry to where when they got into it it was so wrong and so different they almost overcorrect to become a cheerleader i don't know if i now i'm rambling
4: well no i i think i understand your question you're well essentially you're saying it's, a, it's polarizing because the, um, the millennials, you didn't say this, but it's my perception that, uh, and I'm not a millennial, I'm just out of that, just a, a few years out of that uh, generation. And um, they are very much so, you know, they care about our environment. There's no question, right? They care about, you know, making, you know, <laughs> paper straws for god's sake okay um for example um doing the little things that they can and they're kind of dealt um a i don't know a rough hand i think uh based on what you said earlier um and because everybody says the word millennial and there's always a negative connotation to it um i also think that they're really trying to prove themselves in an industry that um, not necessarily the oil and gas industry but any industry when they go in um, they have some really great ideas that may be progressive thinking and like would actually uh, progress a company um, whichever business perspective that may be offering new points of views that perhaps the senior management or ownership isn't willing to consider because eh, it's worked fine the way it's always been and we're not willing to change or grow or whatever and, um, specifically to the oil field, uh, from what I've seen is there's, there's plenty of guys that are, because uh, because baby boomers are all getting to the point where they're very close to retirement if they aren't already. And we need to have the, um, the younger folks come up, whether that's millennials or whatever and, and people in their thirties and forties need to be promoted more from what I can see, um, a little more readily and their ideas need to be considered a little bit more um in order for businesses to maintain uh progressive forward movement um and and maintain viability and, and just keep up with uh technology so to speak i mean there's people that think oh we've always done it this way it's worked fine and we're still making money well more, more power to them but the truth is is if you don't continually infuse fresh blood or fresh perspective or at least very least keep up um, on what's going on with your competitors and and do what you can to maintain that, you might find yourself, you know, not with a job or a business. Um, And so one of the ways they can do that would be to encourage growth from the bottom. And that would be from the younger generation that they need to
2: train up. And that was Jen Decker-Wright of Resolute Recruiting talking about the war on oil and gas in Colorado. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews visit crudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com Coming up next we continue the conversation with Jack Hamlin with Summit Engineering here on the Year in Review Multimedia Cafe as we highlight the war on oil and gas in Colorado. My name is Jason Spies, this is the Multimedia Cafe
1: on, we'll As we dream the fire, the face unafraid, the plans that we've made, walking in a winter wonderland. Let's all frolic and play, the Eskimo way, walking in a winter wonderland. I oh, let's go walking in a winter wonderland.
0: Awesome. Historic.
2: Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Well, Santa
1: looked a lot like daddy. Daddy looked a lot like him That's not the way I had him pictured The Santa was much too thin
2: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue our conversation about the war on oil and gas in Colorado. Up next, Jack Hamlin with Summit Engineering. In the breakfast bars in the morning, you know, I'd be talking to strangers and they'd look over their shoulder before they said they worked in the oil and gas industry. And that was weird to me because I always thought Colorado embraced the oil and gas industry. So I watched the evolution happen over the course of like five years. And, um, talk to me from your perspective, how that evolution kind of happened.
5: Yeah. So the evolution was, was, um, it was quick. So I completely agree with you where people kind of have, have some people have, started to look over their shoulder before they they discuss uh, what they do in oil and gas um, a large amount of us including myself don't we're very proud of what we do and having seen it and been boots on the ground in the industry for 11 years um, very educated on what goes on and so there's when I look at it uh, it's really interesting there so you've got the same groups that all want the same thing is what it boils down to. So, uh, we consider ourselves environmentalists when you look at like air quality has never been cleaner. Um, that's a fact ever since the EPA was instituted, uh, our air has never been cleaner as it is today. That's because of natural gas consumption, um, converting old coal plants, converting, uh, other infrastructure to, to take clean domestic natural gas. The, The evolution of this, it, it, it really, it rocked our industry and, and that is what created energy. Strong. And uh, that's why I think there's been such a, um, uh, people have kind of clamored to that. Uh, we, we've got over 15,000 members on social media, uh, on, on a group that was effectively started, uh, you know, during prop One Twelve, just six, six or seven months ago. Um, so the evolution was uh, when you look at how Senate Bill 181 happened, and and how we got where we are today in such a short period of time. Yeah, Prop 112 came through. That was all the focus. We fought that. The state spoke. I mean, it was it was, beat by a very sound margin that they don't want those types of restrictions on the oil and gas industry because it is. Uh, an important piece of not only the economy and jobs and all that but energy prices and uh combating uh energy poverty and and even our our biggest detractors they get they, they get in the shower every morning on you know using a hot water heater turn on their ac or furnace get in a car that's powered by fossil fuels and made by fossil fuels and so our perspective was you know, we're we know we're we're doing a good thing. It is virtuous. Fossil fuels are virtuous. Uh that's why people that, you know, come and uh argue against fossil fuels, they still use the product every day. It's the realization there is how do we communicate and, and prepare better? So during Prop One Twelve, we're looking at that, that gets beat and then out of the blue for a lot of people, some people may have known about it, but out of the blue, I didn't really understand how government worked to be honest with you at a, at a regional and state level. Didn't realize that these types of laws could be passed without a vote or being put onto a ballot That's partly my own, uh, ignorance there. But a lot of people have that they're not engaged in day-to-day politics and the, the town hall meetings and the meetings and, um, uh, state legislative meetings and that. And so, uh, as these things started to unravel, and we realized, you know, that, yeah, we beat Prop 112, and Senate Bill 181 came through, and that is a much larger threat to our industry and our way of life. Um, so the evolution was so fast, we needed an agile group of people that would show up and weren't afraid to speak a message that wasn't filtered, that was just, this is the story and my particular story is that i I own and operate an engineering company that our whole purpose is to make sure that the facilities and the pipeline systems that we design are the absolute safest and environmentally friendly facilities and pipelines on the planet and that's not an exaggeration colorado sets a precedent for the entire globe on developing oil and gas facilities and resources the the best way and there's no other way to put it we are the gold standard for the entire world it's the stuff we build is extremely safe Uh, it's got very low footprint uh it's it's evolving The, the amount of technology that's deployed on these facilities and and drilling programs and infrastructure it's unparalleled um and what i've realized is that it's the education piece again going to these these town hall meetings and speaking in front of the the state legislature, I want to engage the people that think we're evil or that we're not doing good things and understand their perspective so that we can communicate to them in something that makes sense instead of drawing a battle line and everybody lobbing, you know, artillery at each other. That's not going to work here. And today it's, you know, Colorado's unique. We've got, Communities, you've got, you got communities on top of existing and newfound oil and gas reserves, and they're all competing with, um, you know, industry and environmentalism. So you've got like this perfect storm of of things happening at like this epicenter of one of the largest producing basins in the country, and so you've got uh, you've got people who are um, who have oil and gas development in their, in their communities and they uh, were oil and gas is not doing a good job at communicating what and how they're doing things in my opinion. And so that's, that's really the problem we need to solve. How could something as complex as, as energy independence and commodities that you consume on a daily basis, how on earth could that be a partisan issue? Right? So you've got, you've got politicians towing a narrative or, or, a, 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 a way of discourse that people just buy into. And that's, that's a frustrating part for me. And that I, I'm an unaffiliated voter. I am too fluid in, in so many things that I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. So that's where it gets frustrating. What I look at is, man, the, the American consumer, the, the average American citizen, it seems like the, the, uh, the short-term memory, uh, It's just not there when it comes to -to day-to-day life. I I remember back four or five years ago when gasoline got to like $4.30 a gallon or something like that. And it was on the verge of Mad Max out here. That
2: was Jack Hamlin with Summit Engineering. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We continue... Our interviews here about the war on oil and gas as we continue our year in review at the Multimedia Cafe. Up next, Ray Scott, State Senator with Colorado. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Multimedia Cafe.
1: Yeah, Santa looked a lot like Daddy. Her Daddy looked a lot like him. That's not the way I had him pictured. Santa was much too thin. He didn't come down the chimney. Mama must have let him in. Well Santa a lot like Daddy.
0: Daddy Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Speece,
5: the most trusted voice in the Bakken.
2: I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue our conversation on the war on oil and gas in Colorado. Here we talk with Ray Scott. He's a Colorado State Senator talk about the uh, evolution if you will about the war on oil and gas of course as we mentioned this is happening in many other states but it's been a big story in 2019 as we continue our year in review here at the multimedia cafe highlighting the war on oil and gas in colorado with ray scott colorado state senator yes
6: i am jason uh, and thanks for having me by the way i appreciate it uh, yeah you know you, you mentioned uh, the uh uh, proposition or ballot initiative 112 that was out in Colorado that that was actually last year and what that what that proposition was was to to basically ban drilling because they wanted a 2,500 foot setback uh, from a, a litany of of uh, different locations and what it did was if you think about 2,500 feet it, it it actually turns into a mile because you have to do a circumference around a location right so it turned into a one-mile setback, which effectively just put people out of business. So then, what happened is we had Senate Bill One Eight One that the governor put forth this last legislative session, which of course passed because Colorado has flipped again in one of our cycles where we have Democratic control throughout the entire state house. So that bill passed. Um, it's the reincarnation of one of one twelve, basically, is what it is, just under a different title. Uh, many different stipulations. But I think what, what was really interesting about this particular situation was this governor, Jared Polis, who was a congressman prior to that, was the father of the anti-fracking movement in Colorado back in, I believe it was 2014. Of course, when he ran for governor, then he had to come out and be more moderate, and he, he couldn't say those types of things, uh, or he would have had a difficult time getting elected. So he was embracing and, and saying that you know he would work with the energy companies and, and do all the, you know, he said all the right things. Well, 181 came along, and what we learned really, really quickly here in Colorado was he did not intend to govern like a normal governor. What he intended to do was, what he learned in Washington, D.C. from President Obama, was let your regulatory agencies be your heavy hand, and that's what he did. So the, the 181 structure is such that they wanted to call them local control to satisfy some of the front range folks, like, you know, the Boulder crowd. We call it, um, so that they would have control over regulations, setbacks, the things that were negotiated usually with the state agency, only on a local level to make it sound like the locals now have control. But what they failed to tell people was that the state will still set the regulations but a, a city or a county cannot do, cannot do anything less than what the state law says. So just for a silly example, if the state regulators say that we have to have a 2,500-foot setback from a pine tree, for example, the county in that case cannot come back and say, well, 500 feet's okay with us. So you know, by saying local control, it was, it was a massed effort uh, on his part to try to make it sound like he was being an all-inclusive governor, and that we would have this local control uh, piece to our, our, our oil and gas industry, and it's it's a crushing blow. <laughs> so that that's kind of where that whole piece came from was in discussions because he, he didn't only do it with just oil and gas, but he did it with some other agencies also, and he's he's still continuing that trend today.
2: In your piece okay. on the, <laughs> I'm sorry, in your piece on the Federalist, you talk about how uh, Governor jared polis is it pronounced correct okay he was the founding father of the anti-fracking movement in colorado yes he was so that that's pretty incredible actually to be the founding father you know what i mean that you didn't join the group you created the group
6: (laughs) well you know he's a a very wealthy individual okay he had reportedly several hundred million dollars governor in 2018 so they they went full circle with this it took them you know 14 years to do it but they did it um and i you know i would suggest to your listeners that this isn't just a colorado problem uh that yes people in new mexico and utah and wyoming and montana and the dakotas need to be concerned about these things because it, it's it's a it's almost a religion right i mean if these mm-hmm. these folks have, have they've learned how to hit those emotional triggers without any
2: logic whatsoever. And that was Ray Scott, Colorado State Senator. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Ray Scott, State Senator from Colorado, Jack Hamlin with Summit Engineering, Jen Decker-Wright with Resolute Recruiting and Heath Holloway with Titan Solutions for coming on today's program and being part of our year in review here at the Multimedia Cafe as we highlight the war on oil and gas in Colorado. That's going to do it for today's program. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. For those of you streaming us on the net or downloaded one of our podcasts, we appreciate it very much. Choosing us as part of your content here at the Multimedia Cafe and The Crude Life. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks. And from the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, once again, my name is Jason Spies asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Oh,
1: jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Let's take a ride.
2: Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com.